0: I would be tempted to make the comment of falling off and uh, the Hawkeyes are in prime position uh, to not take it down to the wire, but to get things wrapped up this week as they host the Illini of Illinois Hawkeyes live right here at the voice of college football. Appreciate you all stopping by, leave those comments and questions. Consider the super chat contribution, Venmo, PayPal, and cash app as well are available. Mark Rogers or Mark Rogers TV, but please, uh, notate that uh this is for the iowa show and the guy that makes it all work for us here each and every week Corey brada at from the hawkeye of the storm hey Corey. hey there, mark how are you i'm doing well you're on the road i am iowa creighton today uh, over
1: here in omaha so it should be a, a good good day a good opportunity to cover a road game and um yeah it's uh going to be a challenge. Rutgers, or excuse me, Creighton is a top 10 team, number eight in the country. In the AP poll, we got a lot of talent coming back, a lot of size, a lot of shooters. And Iowa, of course, very inexperienced and not as much uh, size. And um, it's just going to be hard because they're not known. Obviously, Iowa's France teams are not known for playing defense. So um, I don't have a whole lot of expectations. I recorded a segment with Tim Kruger earlier today. If people missed that, they can head over to my channel from the Hawkeye had the Storm and listen to it. But two-part segment. Tim talked about, he covers Creighton for, uh, for rivals, uh, for Blue Jay banter. And he also does bracketology for stadium in March. So I've known Tim for quite a while and, uh, he's very high on this Blue Jays team. So I'm excited to be inside CHI, um, arena this evening. I never been there before. Um, I plan on making a couple of stops. Some of my favorite stops in downtown Omaha to get some ice cream prior to the game. Um, uh, and so, uh, You know, little perks of what these road trips are like. That's what makes them special. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: I've been to Omaha twice. You can probably guess why. And uh, also, you answered my question about Creighton men's basketball. I was going to ask, are they as good as they typically are? When you say you, I I probably know why. What are you talking about? The College World Series. Oh, I didn't know that you covered the College World Series. Yes. Two occasions to the College World Series in Omaha.
1: Do you know? Do you know the ice cream place that I'm talking about? It's kind of famous. Okay, I won't plug it on here, but it's a downtown place that I guess is pretty famous. In fact, some friends of ours took us there when we visited Omaha like a year, year and a half ago, and um, I didn't know at the time it was famous. Then all of a sudden, I was reading some article online about you know best ice cream places in in America or something. It was like top of the list, so it was really good. I'll say that. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: You were gonna drive me to go get some ice cream now this is going to spur me on to to are want you, some ice cream Not are you an that, ice not cream that guy? I have to be encouraged are you an ice cream guy? Oh love ice cream Really you're an Oreos guy and you're an ice cream guy like are, yeah I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't even talk about how much I can consume at one time like I can eat well you do
1: that with a lot of things you do it the Oreos as well but yeah and
0: that's, uh, so that's I gotta stay away from it yeah what about cake and pie uh, I'm not a big pie guy. Uh, okay. like, uh, uh, during the season, pumpkin pie, really good with the, Cut. uh, the ready whip on it, uh, preferably, but, um, yeah, but I'm not going to eat it any, at any other time of the year and I'm not going to turn down a piece of pie, but I don't <laughs> go out and purchase it. Sure. Well, um,
1: how many of us actually go out and purchase pies? I mean, typically it's something that, you know, you might get, yeah. you go to a Bob Evans or a Perkins or something like that. You get a piece of pie, but. Yeah.
0: Uh, I've been going to meet a friend a couple times a week at a uh, Dunkin' Donuts, and it's difficult for me to walk out and not buy a couple donuts on the I'll way I'll
1: be out. honest, I, I, and I'm not just saying this because Dunkin' doesn't sponsor your show. I've never been a huge fan of Dunkin'. I mean, it's okay. Uh, we don't live far from a Dunkin', and it's just like,
0: oh, eh, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's not the best donut. It's, I'd it's rather fine. a Krispy Kreme. Okay. Yeah, frankly. Krispy Kreme's the best. Yeah. Yeah, we have absolutely. a one, one thing you don't know,
1: Mark, is we have a chain that actually started up in Lacrosse, and all everybody on this chat will know what I'm talking about because they are from around here. But uh, Quick Trip, which is not QT but KT, Quick Trip is the company, and then they have down here they actually have stores called Quick Star because QT, which is you know more of a, I think they started in Oklahoma, but they also have a, a branding in Iowa. They couldn't be named the same thing, so they quick star re, re or quick trip, I should say rebranded to quick tr- uh, star here in Iowa. And they have excellent donuts, very much like Krispy Kreme. They're called glazers. And, uh, they're not probably quite as good as Krispy Kreme, especially when you can go to an authentic Krispy Kreme where they make them right there and they go through the machine and they come out hot. Boy, you could pound, I could easily pound away 10 of those. Um, <laughs> same thing with chocolate chip cookies. Like, I have no issue with are good chocolate chip cookies, soft in the middle, crunchy on the outside. Uh, I can pound away a dozen of those easy. Um, or with some pecans in there as well. Beautiful. So
0: anyways, yeah, we could, could keep going on, on this, uh, on this topic for sure. Absolutely. We could, but I've been we, trying- I mean, we we're
1: about to talk, talk about the, some have coined, this is not me, but some have coined Deacon Hill as the Pillsbury throw boy.
0: So, I heard that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't come <laughs> up with it, but it, it, we have a segue right into football, Mark. Nice transition. Well done <laughs> right there. Uh, so we have we have plugged out, I don't know how many brands at this point and none of them are are sponsoring here. And and I have to be careful at times because I don't want to I don't want to speak negatively about a potential sponsor. So we'll not name anyone else.
1: Well, I will say this, John. Uh, we already talked about Quickstar. John Maybank Banks in the uh, chat says I had Glazers today. And mm-hmm. I believe last I knew Quickstar was like the official pizza of Iowa Athletics. Um, I think, I, I, again, I uh, keep up on their sponsored deals, but uh, they, are, they are a good company. They are a good company. So I would love to, we need to reach out to Quickstar. So if anybody's got connections to Quickstar, um, let us know.
0: Oh, pizza sounds good as well. I, I was trying to determine, and it just hit me uh, because you were talking about all these local brands in Iowa, that I made a comment this week, and, and actually one of our loyal viewers, Erica, called me and we were talking about, or maybe we, we traded these comments on Twitter, one or the other, and I had made a comment about needing to get to an Iowa football game, but there was something in particular that spurred me to do that on this occasion in particular. Well, it was, of course, at the end of the first quarter and witnessing, of course, the wave and uh, how, how uh, inspiring that is. Uh, it, it just, uh, it never in any way uh disappoints and tugging at the heart for yeah, sure and i
1: i know one thing um not to go off on the wave but it's funny when that tradition started it was now i forget his his name but you, you know the song wave on wave maybe you don't even know that song um uh, who did that it wasn't this huge hit but they would play that song on me wave on wave they would play that every single time they do the wave and it was it's kind of cool but then they said, okay, we're, we want to change the song. And everybody's like, what, what are you doing? And oftentimes I understand a lot of decisions with Gary Bard involved were not ones that I approved of or that I, I liked, but here's what they did, Mark. And this was, I think before last season, they changed it to where the kid's captain, okay. And the kid's captain of course is somebody associated with the children's hospital, the kid's captain would pick the song for that week. And I think that's just awesome. I just do. Um, cause you, it doesn't matter if it's I'm trying to think of what some of the kids, popular kids songs, I mean, little kids songs, right? Like what does the Fox say? Or baby shark, all these different songs. Like that's great. I think it's great. And, and I, I think it adds to the tradition. So I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. That's very cool.
1: Pat green. Yes. Infant Pat green did wave on wave.
0: So do you realize Corey, that we typically get on here in the middle of May with nothing going on, and we're talking football within 30 or 40 seconds off the top. We've gone eight minutes with the Western Division Championship uh, on the line and ready to be won on Saturday, and we have yet to hit football here. Uh, but you did mention Deacon Hill, and, and we didn't have much time to talk about it yesterday. Uh, Corey dialed into the Big Ten live show that we do every Monday. Uh, Six o'clock Eastern Time. Shameless plug on the main channel, and uh, I just mentioned Deacon Hill, and but I had I had to send you a couple text messages that and and I I was not being sarcastic in any way or condescending in any way now and, and I don't want to overplay that suddenly they have found this prolific passing attack they threw for two hundred yards against a really good defense last week and gained over four hundred yards of total offense uh, again once we get the the large research staff here and at your channel that that w- we will have one day we will look up these sorts of things or you know have them we would like to know the last time they gained 400 yards of total offense and well, especially in a big 10 game or a power five game october 1st 2021 i believe that was maryland i think okay the 51 14 game correct a big blowout game okay the friday night game yep
1: i think that was also one of the, the first time we
0: probably got together uh well it was that year we started for some reason i just 12, remembered that game and i 20. think okay that's when we first well i know we had steve
1: Suter. we had steve Suter, former maryland Terrapin, right. on that week and there was a lot of hype those two teams were, i believe were both undefeated and um yeah as i recall uh seven turnovers for the terps six interceptions for talia uh, he was pretty young but you know up and coming star i'm glad i wouldn't have to play him this year because i mean i know they've struggled here of late but but I think he's. I still think he's one of the three or four best quarterbacks in, in the conference, and he's got a chance, even with his size, to play in the NFL. But yeah, that was the last time, October first, twenty twenty one, they surpassed four hundred yards. If they had had to take one more kneel down on Saturday, Mark, we may have been sitting at three ninety nine. But uh, great accomplishment, and I think. I by the way, I didn't take your text message to me about wanting to talk about the offense as condescending at all. I the way I interpreted it is Mark is being genuine and. You did come off the week prior. Rutgers played the Buckeyes, and Ohio State actually Iowa outgained Ohio State. And I know it's not apples to apples; it's it's just not. You can't play that transitive property game like we love to in sports. But Iowa actually outgained the Buckeyes against this exact defense. Now, I do think there's something to be said. People who ask the question, "Well, did that game take something out of Rutgers?" Well, potentially. I mean, I don't I don't know that, but and I, I have a lot of trust in Chiano as a defensive guy. Um, so one would think that they would be able to respond, but Iowa did a really good job on both ends. I mean, Manung is guys may the best running back or at least one of the two or three best running backs in the conference. They shut him down in this game. I mean, he led all big, he led all rushers in the big 10 conference heading into the game, yeah. whether he's the best rusher yes. or not. And, um, they did really nice job on, um, uh, on, uh, what's his face at quarterback. Um, David Wimsatt, Wimsat. Uh, he was pretty much corralled. Um, he really wasn't able to use his feet much on Saturday. And I just keep going back to like it, the offense definitely looked better and maybe it was a one-off and they'll go right back to looking like a typical Brian Ferentz led offense, Kirk Ferentz led offense. But I just keep going back to how good this defense is and how good Phil Parker is at his job. Because I remember back to week one or week two, you know, he kind of struggled at times against Utah state. They kind of went up and down the field a little bit, only gave up 14 points uh, kind of the same thing against Iowa State. Um, you know, they gave up a late touchdown there to kind of make it a little bit too close for comfort. It was 20 to 14. Cyclones had a chance late. Of course, defense held. But uh, people were kind of saying, yeah, the defense is going to be good, but it's not going to be what it was in 21. They are gonna they took a step back, and, and that makes sense because they lost Campbell, they lost Benson, they lost Moss. I think this defense is every bit as good as it was last year. And that's incredible to say, and I said that to Coach Patterson, what Jay Higgins and Nick Jackson have done. And there was a lot of criticism about Nick Jackson those first couple of weeks because I think it took him some time to get integrated into this 4-3 system, this Big Ten defense. And he has been phenomenal. And honestly, Mark, if you had to ask me, hey, who would you rather have, Higgins and Jackson or Campbell and Benson? I don't think it's as clear cut as some may think. Um, I think I'd rather take Jackson over Benson, although Benson was really productive. I'd probably take Campbell over Higgins, but it, it's closer than you think. And that's credit not only to Phil, it's credit to Seth Wallace, um, it's credit to Brad Heinrichs and the Swarm Collective that, you know, I know they were a part of getting Nick Jackson to come to Iowa with NIL. Um, so, man, he's been the biggest transfer portal success story. And that defense has just been, even without Noah Shannon. Without Noah Shannon, they had they were down Jamari Harris, their their second best corner for the first four games. They haven't missed a beat. And they have not missed it. they've not lost a game because of the defense. I mean, they lost that Penn State game 31-0. The offense was putrid and couldn't get off the field. Defense was on the field for like a hundred snaps in that game. And then, of course, Minnesota. What was the final score of that game? 14-10? Or 12-10. Or, 12-10. So I mean, it's like, what else is the defense supposed to do? Um so If if they and I made the comment after the game, if they played like they played against Rutgers, and I believe that's a good team, not a great team, a good team, if they played like that offensively and defensively, they would they would pretty much guaranteed be nine and one right now. Okay. They would be nine and one. And there's a chance they'd be undefeated. Because I don't think I know that 31 0 defeat looms large and it was a huge margin, but it just changes everything on both sides of the ball. When your offense can't move and and can't move the chains and flip the field. So, um, you know, it's just amazing. And and this is, this goes back two to three years now, of course. And again, doesn't mean it's going to be maintained or sustained into Illinois and Nebraska, but this defense, this is exactly what urban Meyer talked about earlier in the season on the big 10 network. When he said, Hey, this defense just needs an average offense to be, contending nationally they were that type of team saturday on saturday they were that type of team they ran the ball effectively deacon hill for the most part was pretty good made a really bad decision down near the goal line into the first half terrible throw terrible decision but for the most part they moved the ball against a good defense 400 yards isn't a ton of yards but for iowa it's a ton of yards and if you consistently be three 350 plus in that category each and every week they'd have a a chance in every game because of how good this defense is. And and by the way, real quick, Drew Stevens missed a field goal from 47. Um, He has a really odd percentage and record, track record from from between 40 and 49 yards. It's very strange. Somebody even joked with me right before that kick and said, hey, should we take a five-yard penalty here to get him 50-plus? Because he's perfect. He's perfect from 50-plus, Mark. And you go back to his high school years and his college days, he has got a very poor record in the forties. So inside of 40 and plus 50, he is excellent. So he's got that little no man's land, I guess if you want to call it that, to to work on uh, because he's got a he's got a possibility of being an NFL prospect here in a couple of years. But um, you know, he missed a kick. And I love the fact you, best moment of Kirk's press conference today was he brought up officiating. And I don't know that he'll get fined for it, but I think he's still a little bit. And I don't blame him. He's he's still a little bit uh, sour about what happened against Minnesota. And he didn't bring up a specific call Saturday, but he brought up these reviews and conclusive evidence. And I love the fact that he did, because I didn't hear a bunch of people talking about it after the game, but I went on the postgame show with Don Patterson and Tom Caker, and I said that was the, one of the worst calls from a, we want to talk about going by the books and following the rules as they lie and how, how they're written. That Caleb Brown overturn on the two point conversion, I think, is one of the worst calls I've seen all year, and I'll tell you why. Because we we got that it was as clear as day. They had the they had great angles from every direction, okay, and from every direction it was inconclusive. And they called it uh, they called it good on the field's two point conversion catch and, and score. They called it good on the field for them to come back and say it was conclusive evidence that his knee was down short is absolute malarkey. And people are like, well, well, why are you complaining about that 22 0? Well, imagine how consequential that would be. You know, if it was, you know, they're down 24 22, and they need a two point conversion. It didn't make a difference in this game, but we see these types of blunders. And I do believe that's an example of a major blunder. It's not in the moment. It's exactly how I would uh, deem what happened against Minnesota. You had an opportunity to go to replay, and you botched it, you screwed it up for one reason or another. And Kirk brought up the whole idea of conclusive evidence and he's right. Um, you know, the whole idea of having instant replay is to only make a change if it's 100% certain. And you just cannot possibly argue that that
0: was hundred percent certain. Did you see the play that I'm talking about, Mark? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I completely agree. Now, if I was just making the call, if the call had not been made, it's a call that you're making based on the replay I would tend to think that he was down, but that's beside the point, of course. The call matter. was made yeah. on the field, and it was not conclusive in any such way.
1: And that's what Kirk was saying. It's not a matter of, oh, I look at the replay, and I think we got it wrong. Yeah, no, that's, that's not how the rule is supposed to be no. enforced and how replay is supposed to be enforced. So I just, I don't know what, I don't know if the answer is, you know, yeah. but.
0: Um, replay is to overturn a missed call, a clearly missed call. Correct.
1: And I actually don't know that he was down. I mean, it's so close when you look at that shin. If he hadn't had that layer of sock or whatever that was on his shin, you know, he probably, we probably could have, you know, we could have probably been certain that he wasn't down, but it was just so close, but uh, good to see him get involved. I mean, it's been a long time coming. It took an injury to Deontay Vines to get him going. It sounds like he's back in the good graces of Iowa. Kirk was very complimentary of, of Caleb after the game. And uh, kudos to him because there were rumors swirling several weeks back that he was kind of in the doghouse and we people expected him to transfer. And maybe he still will. Like maybe after the season, he just enters the portal and was gone. But uh, it was good to see him catch a touchdown. Should have had the two-point conversion. Uh, they got him the ball out of the backfield. He's their best athlete on the outside. I still want them to get Seth Anderson involved. Nico has been playing well. It's just hard to get a lot of catches in this offense, but just really nice to see him involved. Deontay Vines is going to be out for a while. It sounds like not expected to be back this Saturday. So they'll need Caleb. They'll need Nico. They'll need Seth. And man, the tight end room. It's just, we talked about how deep that room was prior to the season. It has been decimated. I've never seen the tight end room suffer from injuries as much as they have this year. Luke Lachey goes down, season-ending injury. Eric All goes down, season-ending injury. Steven Stillianos was out Saturday he was their third tight end, of course. He was in street clothes on Saturday. Don't know if he's going to be back. Then Addison Estringa's out there, and he goes down during the game, and you're like, what is happening? So then you're down to uh, true freshman Zach Ortworth, who catches a 51-yarder on a beautiful play call and and good execution. Um, nice throw from Deacon Hill. Didn't overthrow him, didn't underthrow him. Hit him in stride, hit him for 50-plus. True freshman, first career catch. Nice to see. They got uh, Johnny Pascuzzi, uh, a uh, – Walk on from the Kansas City area, who's playing now as well. You might be seeing some Grant Leaper, the the uh, gray shirt. He might end up showing up if if one of those guys goes down. So just nice to see a number of guys stepping up. It just shows how how good Iowa is. Whether it's you give credit to Brian or Kirk or whoever. LeVar Woods has coached tight ends in the past. Uh, Abdul Hodge certainly now. They do such a good job of getting those guys ready. And uh, I've been high on Addison Astringa since he got here. He had what eight catches Saturday. He was the safety blanket for Deacon Hill. And uh, until Lachey's back, it sounds like they may get Lachey back for the bowl game. Maybe that's a possibility right now. Until then, a is probably going to be the number one guy, even if Stilianos
0: comes back. It would be a great debate for best defense in the Big Ten because I think there are four in the conversation that are just lights out. The other point. Uh, to make, and I'm not going to make any kind of determination on who's the best. Um, I-, I could take an argument from any one of the four teams, meaning Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. And then also, if Iowa continues to progress this passing game and they can't make the kind of mistake you wouldn't think that they could make the kind of mistake like they did at the end of the first half. Uh, and I was impressed and also applauding that they were taking that kind of approach with the three, nothing lead because you can correct me certainly if I'm wrong, because I'm no expert in how they approach every game. I watch the better games, uh, but to see them with a three, nothing lead, not just, okay, run, 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 kneel down. Okay. Go to the break and then press the ball downfield, drive it downfield, pass after pass after pass and get inside the 10 or 15-yard line, then Deacon Hill makes the mistake, okay. But just that they went out there with that approach and also uh, executed, I was impressed with. Uh, and if they are able to put up that type of a an approach and execute and those kind of numbers in the passing game, talking like a modest 15 to 25, 200 yards, Probably need no turnovers, but maybe one at a particular time where it doesn't isn't crucial. Early second quarter in a Big Ten championship game, they can win. They could win a Big Ten championship game. Sure, I'm not predicting it. I I don't believe it's a high probability. I think it's twenty or twenty five percent, something in that range. uh, Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Ohio State's offense has taken a significant step back from last year.
0: Is that fair? It has, but it's getting it's getting there okay well it's like coming on it's well you say that but they just produced less yards against Rutgers a week ago than iowa did this past weekend i know but if he would have seen that game you would have I, I i you may have seen it a little bit different well, no, they threw a pick six i didn't watch the whole thing i knew Rutgers threw a pick six and those yeah. were
1: some of the points but no i, I believe me i'm not picking Iowa to be said a championship game but i think what you said is true because i don't think ohio state's uh, offense no. is as good as it was last year no. part of that has to be cj stroud and what he's doing in the league right now no. is yeah total evidence of that and i think maybe he was a little un- underappreciated nationally but um yeah i mean Iowa's defense is going to keep you in games even that 42 to 3 game they were in it at halftime they were in the Ohio State game a year ago at halftime with that abysmal offense. They were in the Penn State game at halftime this year. The defense is going to show up regardless of how good the other team is. It's just a matter of can you get something out of your offense to keep you in the game in the second half? And that's what they have not had. It's Ohio State last year against Michigan the year before and against Penn State this year. You're right. If the offense plays like it did Saturday, they can stay in a game and give themselves a chance late. Um, if they don't, if they revert right back to what we saw against Northwestern and Minnesota, it's going to probably be very much very similar to what we saw against Penn State or Michigan or Ohio State, and they're going to be ten and three, and then probably going to Orlando or something of that
0: nature. We need you on the main channel more often to balance out, And, and I understand the Michigan Ohio State, and to a lesser degree Penn State, and of course they can't win now. The the narrative that they own the conference and they do and all of that. And and they've earned it and they've got the results and all of that. uh, And people would be laughing right now if this was not a pro Iowa crowd, because I've already thrown it out there and I get it. And most likely that will be the case, but uh, it's, it's not a foregone conclusion in my mind. I agree.
1: I agree. Um, But you know, that narrative, Iowa has built the narrative, the stigma, with that Iowa offense, that's going to take a long time to overcome. Now, if they go if, if, you know, Kirk Ferentz goes out and hires, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, or is he an offensive coach? I don't even, I'm trying to think of a big offensive name. Um, uh, what's the guy that was at Texas? Um, well,
0: Steve Sarkeesian's there now. No,
1: yeah, no, I just thought I said Steve Sarkisian. Yeah, I meant um, the guy before.
0: I'll, I'll figure out some names. Uh, big names, offensive coordinators. Who's Who's oh. the guy there before? Tom? Oh, Tom uh, Herman? Tom Herman, right? Example, like if they go out and get Tom yeah. Herman, then maybe the
1: narrative shifts quicker. But like, say they go Paul Christ. even if Paul Crist makes this offense next year efficient, it's going to take a long time for that stigma to go away. And unless it's really elevated, which it probably won't be until Kirk leaves, it's, it's probably always going to carry that weight, that stigma. So I'm fine with that. Like they're going to go into that championship game, assuming they get there, they got to win one of these next two games. They're going to go into the championship game, heavy underdogs. And... You know They were heavy underdogs two years ago, and I thought they had a chance then. From a different perspective, I thought they had a chance then, um, but very similar as far as team makeup. Still a really strong defense, special teams, uh, struggling offense. If they come out this weekend against an Illinois team that you know you would think is typically stronger in the defensive end because of uh, Brett Bielema, their head coach, but struggled last week against Indiana defensively, if they can go out and do that this week and, and do what they did last week and put up 400 plus for two weeks in a row, I don't think they're going to do that. But if they were to somehow do that, uh, then we're like, okay, this is something different. We haven't seen two weeks of this in Big Ten play in a long time. I mean, like even go back to 2017, Mark, um, remember? And, and they, had, they had games and they had stretches where they were pretty good offensively. But when we said, wow, look at that offense, 2017 against Ohio State, they followed up the next week with an abysmal like 80 total yard performance against Wisconsin with no offensive points scored. So they've been down this road before, and I just need to see more than one game. But Illinois is not Wisconsin on the road of, of you know six years ago, and I think they're vulnerable. Um, and I think Iowa needs to win this game because I don't want to be – if you're an Iowa fan, you don't want to be going to Lincoln on Black Friday with potentially the West on the line again, given the fact that they lost out on the opportunity last week. That's got to be the message that's being preached behind those those closed doors this week is win it this week. And and I know Kirk's not going to talk about division tiles or taking one game at a time, but he needs to tell us guys you can win a division this week. And then we just beat Nebraska for revenge for you know positioning purposes, for bowl purposes, for momentum purposes, and you're looking at a, a 10 and two regular
0: season. Before we talk uh, more in-depth on Illinois, uh, one stat that I have touted this week, and maybe I tend to tout these stats when I think they're a little bit more clever, and when I've devised them myself, I didn't read it. I thought, hmm, let's figure this out. Two weeks ago, we had a four-way tie for first place in the Big Ten West. Four teams were three and two. Since then, I was taking care of business, won their two games. The other three are 0 and 6. <laughs> They've both gone on two-game losing streaks. minnesota wisconsin nebraska and the six teams that they've lost to not good are seven and 29 i know against the rest of the big 10 the west
1: is as bad as it's ever been and don patterson brought an interesting comment up to me during the postgame show saturday he said you know not only did does iowa owe it to itself to go out and win the, the division and, and win out, win these next two games and head into the Big Ten Championship 10-2 and two with momentum and giving the, the division a chance. They owe it to the division. They owe it to the conference. They don't want to back their way into the the uh, championship game. They kind of backed their way into the championship game in 2021 20, because Wisconsin lost to Minnesota during Week 13. They need to go in this game on Saturday, win it, win against Nebraska, be 10-2 and two, and at least give the, the Big Ten, the West, uh, uh, something to hang their hats on. Because imagine what that would be. I mean, imagine if they were 10-2, and they go to the championship game and win. Like, that would cause... I I don't know that it would affect, like, if if Michigan goes undefeated, assuming, you know, uh, they don't drown from their own tears. Uh, If Michigan goes undefeated, Mark, and they lose to Iowa, they're probably still in, I would think. Same with Ohio State. I would think if they're undefeated and they lose to Iowa, they're probably still in. But... Um, that would affect things. And maybe Iowa wouldn't make the playoff, but it would, man, it would uh, it would be one of the bigger surprises in college football this year.
0: I'll quickly take us to the other end of the spectrum, what would look, and it would just accentuate the, the reputation of the Big Ten West. Iowa could lose both of these games and still make the Big Ten Championship. Correct. Or somebody's going to make it, obviously. Somebody could be five and four but that's backing country. your
1: way into it in my opinion. Like they, they to, Exactly. They need to win out. They need to win these next two games.
0: And if that team is either Minnesota or Nebraska, let's say at 5 and 4 or Wisconsin, they're going to have a worse overall record because they've all lost non-conference games. Right. And then they go get blitzed, you know, 45 to 10 in the championship game, then it just and the division is a complete failure. Yeah. Yeah. And then we move on to a new era in Big 10 football regardless. All right, uh, let's talk Illinois. Uh, this game, of course, was 9-6. Much different uh, Illinois situation last year as they won the game with uh, one of the top defenses in the country. Lost most of those players. Not Johnny Newton, though. He's still around. We got Sonny Verma here from Illinois Cast. Illini Cast, let me pronounce mm-hmm. that with the right phonetics there. Illini Cast for Sonny. And uh, Sonny, as we lead you into this, I'm going to tell you that um, – I, I just gushed over uh, John Paddock two weeks ago. I just thought this was remarkable Yeah, to be down to Minnesota. You're down to your last play. It's fourth and 11. Your quarterback's laying on the field, hurt Luke Altmeyer. It's fourth and 11. You're at your own 15-yard line, you, and he trots onto the field completely cold, throws a dart to Isaiah Williams, first down. Two plays later, he's gunning a 46-yarder down the seam, to win the game like that's incredible now he then he throws for 507 yards last week what's going on with this guy
2: you know and the best part is a lot of people don't really know his like background story and it's one of those stories that makes you kind of just fall in love with sports um his great-grandfather uh he played for the Illini his grandfather played for the Illini his uncle played for the Illini he went to school in Michigan, but there's pictures of him in blue and orange jackets and uh, uh, backpacks. He just was never quite big enough to earn that scholarship from a Power 5 team. So well, uh, and so essentially he got a, a scholarship offer from Ball State. Uh, he sat on the bench for three, three, four years. He was finally able to start his uh, last year. He was able to start. Put up decent numbers for a Matt quarterback. You know, nothing that exactly jumped out at you. But then this uh, past offseason, um, uh, our backup quarterback, Art Sikowski, decided to take a job as a graduate assistant instead of prolonging his uh, college football career. Probably the right call. Um, he uh, Brett Bielema essentially gave John Paddock a phone call and said, hey, we don't have a scholarship available But we know, you know, you have a family legacy here. If you would like to come on, uh, we have a battle for our backup quarterback spot. I mean, he said starting quarterback spot as well. But it was kind of, you know, pretty much assured that Luke Altmyer would win that job. So Paddock's story with Illinois, it's, you know, again, his whole family table's got something to say. You know, a a different Illinois uh, story. And he came in in that awful Luke Altmaier game where uh, he had four interceptions uh, against Penn State and Paddock looked clueless. He looked like he had never played D1 football in his life. So as you're talking about, when he comes in at the end of this Minnesota game where we need to score on that drive to win the game, I'm ready to turn it off. I'm so frustrated, but he just, he goes three for three, 86 yards. He's, he graded the highest PFF grade in, uh, history of college football and then he follows it up with that performance last saturday you know it's it's just it's one of those things if you watch any interviews with the guy he's always got a smile he's he's got a certain level of confidence and uh, i don't want to call it cockiness because that gives it a bad connotation but he you can tell he feels like he's so blessed to be in the position that he's in and he's wearing the blue and orange the colors he'd been wearing since high school About the team that he's been hearing about from his family his entire life, there's there's no man more on top of the world right now than John Paddock.
0: Well, Sonny, I want to make sure that uh, we don't have a whole lot of time. We want to make sure we do this uh, matchup justice. So I'll throw it to Corey in regards to what he wants to know about Illinois football and and maybe their best path to victory here. Oh, you're muted. Sorry about that. You mentioned it earlier, Mark,
1: nine to six a year ago. And Sonny, that was probably the low part, the low point of Iowa's 2022 campaign. They had a chance to win the West still heading into mm-hmm. the final game of the year. But man, that nine to six game, that was as busy of a post-game show as I've ever had. Um, with people who were just absolutely ready to be done with the Ferentz era. And I don't think they had anything to do directly with the linkage to Brett Bielema, but I'm a big Brett Bielema fan for the record. Mark knows this. And of course, Bielema is, a, is an Iowa guy. Um, in fact, he was brought up a couple of times during today's press conference with Kirk, partly because he's coaching this game. And the other part is because Iowa is going to be honoring a bunch of seniors on Saturday um, who a lot of those guys have had similar stories to what Brett did while he was in mm-hmm. Iowa. And so I got a lot of respect for Brett Bielema. I know Kirk does as well. Uh, and let's not forget. I mean, the one guy we didn't bring up. I mean, you talk about Witherspoon being drip, uh, drafted in the the first round of the draft last year. Uh, Tommy DeVito is he not playing? Isn't he like starting right now in the league, or at least he did
2: a week or two ago? Yeah. Yep. He was the starting quarterback for the Giants last Sunday. So I mean, it,
1: it's it makes sense to an extent why uh, Illinois is kind of taking a step back. But uh, absolutely. I mean, Paddock. Who would have expected that? And offensively, you, you would expect if a Brett team is going to take a step back, it'd be offensively, but it appears like they've done a pretty good job developing that room, um, and um, I know Art Sikowski transferred in from records and just kind of didn't work out, I guess, but uh, that dealt with some injuries. Didn't he have a shoulder injury or something at some point mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well? So, But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see. I think particularly the biggest thing for me to watch is how the Illinois defensive backfield uh, plays against – Deacon Hill, because last year or last week, excuse me, Hill finally, finally broke through. And I don't know how much of Iowa football you've watched, Sonny, but man, we we've had weeks and week after week after week of you know thirty yards passing, forty yards passing, and it's not like we're you know Iowa's tearing it up on the ground. But finally, last week they achieved some level, some semblance of balance on on the offensive side of things. And you know, I know maybe Illinois' defensive backfield took a little bit of a step back last year with Witherspoon being drafted, but. Um, that's still a pretty, I perceive that as a pretty good unit. And I would expect Brett and that staff to have those guys ready. Um, Deacon Hill does not. One thing that concerns me for Iowa fans, this is something that I brought up to coach Patterson before Deacon Hill does not have that grooved kind of repeatable throwing motion. And the reason I say that is, you know, we're talking about somehow replicating what he did last week. And that's why I tend to lean more towards. He's probably not going to do that now. Brian, I give credit to Brian and Kirk, especially Brian, didn't give Deacon Hill enough rope to hang himself with. And Don Patterson kind of compared it to what they did with Joe Labus in the bowl game against Kentucky. Make it very simple. Make the game plan simple. But can they execute? Are they going to be able to do that against this Illinois defense? Um, Execute a simple game plan like they did against Rutgers last week? Because, again, you're going to be looking at tape from a week ago against Rutgers or from this past Saturday. And I would think there's going to be some things that, I mean, Iowa runs naked so much. And Don has talked about that. Like, why aren't teams stopping the naked? It, it just doesn't make sense. So, man, I would think Brett and this defensive staff, I don't know how, Sonny, how, how involved do you think Brett Bielma is on a week-to-week basis with defensive game planning?
2: Uh, more so now uh, compared to the beginning of the season. Um, you know, when Ryan Walters left for Purdue, um, Brett hired in-house in house you know, it was a former defensive backs coach, Aaron Henry. Aaron Henry played for Brett in Wisconsin uh, in the during the Wisconsin days. So this is his first time at the level of defensive coordinator. So I'd imagine that uh, you know Brett, with his experience and mo- the abundance of his experience being on the defensive end, um, helping Aaron uh, out a lot. And we're a completely different team since essentially that Nebraska game, which pretty much everyone saw that Friday night, where it's a twenty-seven final. And Nebraska played awful, and Illinois just played more awful. It was just, you know, Illini Nation was down on its, you know, we're feeling down on ourselves. We're questioning the Brett Bielema hire. But since then, you know, we had a – we essentially played four games very well and just had one bad quarter. And that was the uh, Maryland – or, sorry, Wisconsin game, that fourth quarter where Johnny Newton was uh, ejected at the beginning of the quarter, and we lost uh, 18 – Uh, 18 point lead in the fourth quarter to lose the game. Otherwise, we'd be four, we'd have won four games in a row at this point. Um, As you kind of talked about, like our defensive line, obviously led by Newton, you know, he's the only player I've ever seen who's literally guarded by three guys almost every snap, and he doesn't take many snaps off. Um, You saw that against Indiana that the times he does take, uh, he goes off the field, the plays immediately run your running back straight at the tackle. You know, just take advantage of when he's gone. When he's back in, all right, find a different game plan. Um, you talked about Witherspoon being gone, but he's not the only one. Illinois lost three defensive backs in the top 70 picks uh, to the NFL. So we lost a lot of experience back there, and it was kind of replaced with freshmen and transfers, uh, most of them being underclassmen. So, you know, they're, they're having some coverage issues. They're having some mistakes, and usually – the way our game goes is whether our defensive line can get to the quarterback fast enough so that he doesn't have enough time to exploit the hole that our defensive backs will eventually inevitably leave. How much of a an, how much have you seen as far as influence from Jim Leonard this year? I mean, it's hard to really know and quantify just because he is a defensive analyst. You know he's with the uh, program from Monday to Friday and he's back home essentially scouting uh a future opponents uh during the weekend so he's n- he's never really interviewed he's never really talked about when it comes to um you know Brett uh, mentioning him so it's hard to really know um but you know you figure he he's kind of just trying to associate himself with Brett and stay in the coaching game because you know he's going to want a job uh next come next yeah. year
1: USC is probably Already reached out to him potentially. Uh,
2: you don't—he's home during the weekends. You don't think he's up in the press box somewhere? He's not. No, he's not. He's uh, the agreement that they have is he's in Champagne, or yeah, he's in he's in Champagne Monday to Friday, and then he gets the weekends to. It's up to him whether he wants to go scout another opponent, but he's not on. Uh, he's not their game day on Saturdays and Sundays.
1: Hmm, that's interesting. So that's an Illinois approach, then Mark to. The analyst, because I, I, I'm pretty sure John Budmeyer, for instance, is up in the press. box. I mean, I'm assuming I know he trots out on the field. I know he's there on game days because he trots out in the field with Iowa pregame. So I'm surprised. I mean, maybe that's what it took to get him there.
2: Exactly. It might, it might not be an Illinois thing. It might be a Jimmy Leonard. Hey. Oh, you want my services? Let me kind of uh, dictate what I want sure. to do uh, this
1: season. Okay. Well, and that's to me that's a disadvantage. Now, I, I didn't know that until now, but mm-hmm. uh, when I heard there, you know, Brett had landed Jim, I'm thinking, man, what a what an add to that uh, defensive, especially with the departure of Ryan Walters. So, uh, no, I'm going to be intrigued to see. Obviously, both these teams have different quarterbacks than what we saw a year ago. And both, I mean, I know Paddock has looked really good. Alt went through his struggles just like Deacon Hill has. And, um, you know, you, you brought up Johnny Newton. I mean, that guy, they're going to have an issue if they can't uh, figure out a way to slow him down. Like, that's the one thing with Deacon Hill. We keep talking about his lack of mobility. How many games, Mark, have we seen, especially go back even into 21, even into 19, the interior of the line collapses and if you have an immobile quarterback that can't flush, you know, four o'clock or nine o'clock, and get get out, or uh, make a spin move and get out, um, and and throw out of the pocket, you're going to struggle. Um, and even Nate Stanley went through those struggles, and Nate had more mobility than Deacon Hill did. So that's that's what would be concerning to me is Deacon is very much dependent on either naked or a clean pocket, and so my guess is they're going to run a lot of naked. I would think that that's going to be well scouted by people like Jim Leonard and and Brett Bielema and that staff, but that's probably yeah the defensive backfield the changes again I haven't watched nearly uh, to Sunny's extent of watching uh, Illinois football this year but then yeah how does how does Iowa protect Deacon Hill because they also not healthy up front When Iowa Iowa's down Logan Jones is likely out their center he didn't play he played one uh, series one drive excuse me one drive this past Saturday Tyler Ellsbury came in for him Rusty Feth has been banged up. Bo Stevens is out again, and they have pieces in there to play. Connor Colby's played a lot of snaps, uh, like I mentioned. Ellsbury, Feth, um, Nick DeYoung, I think is back. I think, and he's going to probably factor in along with Richmond and then Dunker on the other side. But they're banged up just like everybody else is. So Johnny Newton, they, Newton's not the guy you want to go up against when you're when you're already ailing in some regard.
2: Yeah, and you know our season is season is kind of turned around. Uh, because with the emergence of Caden Fagan. He's a four-star running back that we had gotten. And once basically Reggie Love went down early in the season, Reggie Love was performing pretty much average as a running back, but Caden is a tank and it took him like 80 some odd snaps before he had a negative yardage play. And he's been playing great. And then he got hurt in the first quarter, of the last game against Indiana and Reggie Love came in and he got 140 some odd yards. So it was nice to see Reggie Love do that. I just don't know if that was more of a against an Indiana defense. But uh, Caden, we have not had an update on uh, injury wise, whether he's going to be able to play on Saturday. And I think uh, offensively to keep your defense honest, like we're going to need him there because, again, he's a big bruising running back uh illinois actually does have pretty good skill players between isaiah williams uh, our quarterback room whichever one starts which brett's not uh, letting the cat out of the bag right now and uh, a couple of the other receivers and caden who i just mentioned but if that running back the running option is not being respected then that means luke altmeyer becomes our running back and from what we've seen is from the first half of the season when Luke is your main rushing guy, it's not going to bode well for us. And and correct me
1: if I'm wrong. They, does Brett kind of move guys around? Because technically Newton's an edge guy, but he moves around, doesn't
2: he? Absolutely. Yeah. He every every snap he could be uh, in a different spot. Yeah. And and who's the other guy? I know that Kirk was asked
1: about it. Is it uh, the transfer? Uh, is it Daxson? Uh, um, we have Keith Randolph.
2: Okay, maybe I'm thinking uh, of Randolph. The law firm was known as Newton and Randolph. Uh, We have Gabe Jackis, who was a former linebacker who wasn't really performing up to what his expectations were. We've kind of moved him to the defensive line. And again, you know, the results are being spoken for by the last four games where we've kind of looked like the Illinois team that I thought we would. You know, a good Big Ten West team. Now, obviously, the first five games, six games tarnished what this season could have been. But, you know, here we are at this point, we still, you know, if we win Saturday, if we win out Saturday in, uh, against Northwestern and Iowa loses uh, out, and uh, I think we can still make the Big Ten West, uh, or sorry, the championship, essentially. Uh, we would need Nebraska to beat Wisconsin and Nebraska to beat you guys. And if we win out, then somehow, a team that Illinois fans gave up on about six weeks into the season could be representing the West in
0: because uh, they hold the tiebreakers over the other wow. teams. Well, I gave up on them too, but you know, shame on Illini fans. I'm not a fan. I just gave up on them. That is true. Yeah, you got this glut of three and four teams, and I was discounting the three and four teams that were down and jumped up. Everybody's looking at Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, because they were – in contention this is a mess or it could be <laughs> iowa can obviously clean it all up and just win but if yeah it it will be a mess the final weekend of the season if illinois wins this game yeah.
1: that's mm. what i'm saying that that's what this is a huge i mean it's easy <laughs> to say well all Iowa has to do is win one of their last two games it changes things you w- lose this week and then you got to go to lincoln with all that pressure um they need to just
0: <laughs> we just need to win this week. There will be people across the country, if Illinois would pull that off, that would be like, what? How in the world did that happen? Like, yeah, that's that's crazy that they're Including still in. Including Illinois fans.
2: After that Nebraska game, the, the mood was very down. That's all I can say.
0: Crazy stuff. Well, uh, Sonny, we appreciate you being here. Um, Corey needs to take off. Um, actually, Corey, if you, if you need to go, we can let you go. And then, uh, yeah. Sonny and I will wrap it up. We'll do it. That way.
1: Thank you, Mark. I, I look forward to it. Thank you for jumping on here, Sonny. And, uh, we'll have post-game coverage here and over at my channel Saturday and, uh, for Hawkeye fans, for basketball fans, post-game coverage tonight, uh, your guys have a pretty good game tonight. Big game tonight as well, Sunny against yep, Mark. Yep. And I'm in Omaha right now for Iowa Creighton to follow. Same networks for uh, FS one, so we'll we'll help post game coverage after. Thank you, Mark. Nice. We'll talk to you later
0: in the week. Thanks, Corey. Enjoy. Yeah, so just a quick uh, few notes. Uh, let's see what have we missed here with uh, Illinois. So again, that scenarios I always got to lose the two games. So Illinois then beats Northwestern in the final game, and they need Wisconsin to lose one of two. Does it matter which one? Uh, who, who does Wisconsin play their last game? Uh, Minnesota. So, so there's Minnesota is going to lose to Ohio state this week.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we own the tiebreaker over, uh, Minnesota regardless. Cause we beat them head to head and we beat, uh, so the two teams we don't have, um, the tiebreaker over is Nebraska and Wisconsin. Sure. And there's, I think essentially if, uh, like if there's like a, again, you know, the Big Ten West is a complete mess. There's a certain tie level that all the teams will be t- tied. So Wisconsin would lose the tiebreaker to someone else, which would kind of elevate Illinois on top, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that, I, I did a video like three weeks ago breaking down all the, the tiebreaking scenarios, but Illinois was not on the radar at the time. So yeah, the the obviously the two-way tie becomes just an obvious head to head and then the three-way tie becomes extremely complicated uh, across the board. Fascinating.
2: Yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's one of those where we don't think it's gonna happen, but you know, that's kind of where all the pressure is on who Brett's gonna start on Saturday. You know, is it Altmaier who supposedly you know should be cleared at this point, or do you just go with this hot hand, you know. T- I just read a stat before I got on today that John Paddock had more passing yards uh, on Saturday than either Iowa quarterback has had all season long. You know that's just in one game. So it's but again it's against an Indiana defense where uh, you know they were just giving up holes left and right, and Isaiah Williams caught for what two hundred plus yards, two hundred yards I think, and yeah. we almost had three guys get a hundred. So we know we're going to be facing something a little tougher on Saturday.
0: Yeah, this Iowa defense is obviously a serious deal. They they are something else. Northwestern has a shot in this, right? So Northwestern's path is if they win their final two games, they're five and four. They'd have the head-to-head against Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota. They would not against Nebraska and Iowa. So yeah, there's if Iowa falters... There's probably going to be a three-way tie of some sort, most likely.
2: And there's going to be a lot of pressure on them because that Nebraska game's on Black Friday. So, I mean, if they were to lose to Nebraska that Friday, you're you're talking like two or three different teams that Saturday that know that they have a chance to go to Indianapolis. And so, you know, what a send-off for the Big Ten West. (laughs)
0: we could have a number one team in the country playing like a seven and five team in the big 10 championship game.
2: It, it would. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's just going to prop- So, you know, actually Mark, I have a question for you. Do you enjoy this? Like sort of like the, what the innocence of college football when you have divisions like this, or do you just want like how it's going to be next year? all one format, you know, or one conference, no divisions. Like I, I do feel like, and maybe it's because I am a fan of a team in the big 10 West that there's something like uh, there's a purity to it. You know, it, like that's what makes college a little different from other sports that, you know, you have different parts of the country play different sort of ways. You have certain divisions play what certain ways, you know, certain conferences play different I ways. Got you.
0: you don't want it to be uniform, right? It's just different. Yeah, like every, every, it's almost like if you're a baseball fan, you, you like the designated hitter in one league and the pitcher hits in the other league and it's just different. And you leave it that way and you don't pound your fist to say everybody has to play by the same rules. Yeah. I, I like the quirk, I'll throw, use another word, quirkiness of, because there are going to be people all over the place and there already are that, will just put their nose up at whomever comes out of the West. Even if Iowa wins these two games, they're going to be 10-2, and but they're just not considered anywhere close to the East champion that it's a tainted championship game and those two or three teams in the East should just play again and all of that. And I get that from a quality standpoint, but I, I like the quirkiness of... This situation, I I love these kind of scenarios.
2: Exactly right. You know, like it's silly. I get it, but next Saturday has the potential to be an extremely exciting final week of college uh, of college football, especially in particular in the Big Ten. Uh, For one side, you know, of course, you have uh, the game on the other side, which will probably dictate who's going to make it to the championship game. But you know, it's. Yeah, the following week isn't going to be uh, too much of a game, but you're going to have three or four fan bases who are just going to be locked into their TVs, you know, screaming at the refs and just locked in, trying to figure out what's going to happen. And, including, you know, it's just – and it's not going to happen again. You know, me as a fan of Illinois football, I'm not going to be going to the final weekend of uh, the Big Ten conference schedule and be like, oh, are we going to make the Big Ten championship uh, next week? So this is kind of one of a, you know, final joyride, you know, for uh, you know, smaller teams like ours.
0: Yeah, I guess the craziest possibility for the final weekend would be, of course, Illinois has got to win. Minnesota beats Ohio State. I'm going, going the crazy route. Northwestern wins. Nebraska wins. Nebraska, whether it's Nebraska or, or Wisconsin, they're playing each other. So one negates the other. So regardless of who wins, Um, I guess Nebraska would make it a little more crazy if they won, but you would have yeah, four teams that would have a chance the final weekend, Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska, or Wisconsin and Northwestern. Yeah.
2: And we'd, we'd get the result of Iowa and Nebraska on that Friday. Yeah. So I mean, that would be fun. Yeah. I will. I mean, if Iowa wins that Friday night, then they wrap it up anyway. Yeah. But you know, if they don't, then that Saturday, you know, that's going to be must-watch TV.
0: Absolutely. Good stuff.
2: Mark, Mark I have a question for you. Sure. Who would you start? Luke Altmaier or John Paddock on Saturday?
0: Uh, I was running through my brain as you were mentioning that because I didn't know Altmaier's health status. Uh, so I didn't really even consider that And the way Paddock's playing. Wow. Yeah. Because Altmaier's He's the guy next year.
2: Uh, Yeah, he's got two years left.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, Let me ask you this question before I answer that question. Considering everything uh, around him, offensive line play, skill position, are you you reasonably optimistic, uh, pleased with his progress this year?
2: I am. He's had one awful game, which everybody saw on TV, that four-interception game against Penn State. And, yeah, he is prone to a turnover uh, every now and then, but that just kind of comes naturally as a younger quarterback. This is his first season as a full-time starter. But the angle that he gives that, you know, obviously Paddock doesn't, is Luke can win games with his legs as well. Um, He has his issues. You know, he the biggest difference between the two quarterbacks is Paddock – makes decisions very quickly and you know he had, between snap and the time he throws the ball it was like the biggest and uh, the fastest in Big 10 uh, this year whereas Luke maybe because he's such a young quarterback does tend to hold it on, hold on to it a little too long which uh, ends up being leading to another a sack or two that more than he needs to be taking but if there's nothing if the wide receivers are covered Luke can also basically just you know scramble and get you 5 6 30, 35 yards on a single play too. So that's kind of the difference between the two.
0: Now I'm looking for a point spread. I'm guessing it's not that egregious. It's right where I thought it was going to be. Actually, I should have said it three and a half because we get people in the chat that think it's ludicrous that Illinois thinks they're going to win. Well,
2: it's, it's, it's funny. Like I do have a group of uh, Iowa fans and, and I watched your show uh, yesterday. Uh, the Big Ten live show, and I was just shocked at like how I don't know what the word is, but uppity Iowa fans were towards like the spread only being three and a half. And now, don't get me wrong, if the Iowa from that played against the uh, played against Rutgers shows up on Saturday, you guys probably wins or sorry, Iowa wins and wins soundly. But Illinois got a pretty good offense, and their weakness, their defense will be going up against the Iowa offense. And so I almost think it's a matter of whose weakness performs better. That I think three and a half is actually a very reasonable line.
0: There's been a number of times this year that I thought the line was a little short on Iowa, but I was wrong. Um, So last week, yeah, they were only a one point favorite, but that game didn't get out of hand. You know, it just kind of crawled along. It, It was three zip at half. Then it was six to zip and didn't score a touchdown to really give them much of a a cushion until sometime in the fourth quarter to get to get to like 12 to nothing. So it's not like they blew them out from the beginning. Uh, They were a field goal favorite against Minnesota. That was the game that they lost, should have won, controversial call, all that business. But they were only a field goal favorite against Minnesota at home. They were only a... five-point favorite against Northwestern and only won the game by three. Uh, so I have no issue with the, uh, the line being what it is. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Sunny Verma, a line I cast uh, Sunny, let people know where they can find you.
2: Yeah. Uh, you can find me as Mark said, at a line I cast, uh, we released a couple episodes every week. Um, we released one today with the icon, uh, which is, basically the illinois nil collective uh, it's kind of it's for everyone though it just kind of gives a viewpoints of what a foundation of what an nil can and can't do uh we try to have you know a pre-game and a postgame uh show for every matchup that we tend to have and uh yeah a line i cast both on twitter
0: and on youtube very cool all right sonny thank you so much for being here i appreciate it thank you mark enjoy the game All right. Uh, Also here at the voice of college football over on the main channel. So typically the college football playoff rankings, watch party is at seven Eastern. However, tonight they are doing at ESPN what they do each and every year when they tip off the basketball season is put it between games. So I don't exactly know when that's going to be. I'm not going to sit here and, and like watch basketball. So I know exactly when they're going to deliver the rankings. So I'll figure out and uh, see when the rankings come out and we will go live. It's going to be in the nine to nine 30 range. I would think somewhere uh, in that range. So we will go live. uh, Not necessarily a watch party, but more of just a college football playoff rankings reaction. And uh, many of you don't know where we at the voice of college football have ranked Iowa. So check out our top 25. That actually makes sense. All right, folks, appreciate you being here again. See you in a couple hours on the watch party over on the main channel uh, for the college football playoff rankings. Give me a call. We'll talk college football. We'll talk rankings, and we will see you soon.